Welcome back. This is our fifth session together. I hope that you have enjoyed our time sort of journeying through some resolutions for women that really are transformative in all of our lives. We have talked about everything from being content to being a woman that has enough humility to be slow to speak and quick to listen, to give other people the microphone and allow them to be center of attention. I pray that although I'm sure these have been challenging for you as they have been for me, that they really are making an impact in your life. And today we talk about one that is equally as important. It's about your integrity. I was thinking about integrity as I looked out one of the back windows of our home recently. We live on a little plot of land that I love as much for the quiet two-lane road that it sits on as for the huge trees that stand all around the house. Our home is nestled in a cove, so to speak, of tall and strong, gorgeous trees in the back and front yards. And honestly, I got to tell you, these trees are the reason we moved here in the first place. There's lots of room outside for my three boys to run around and expend some of that energy before they come back inside. My boys are only nine and seven and three. So I got to tell you that the goal of every day of my life is to get to bedtime. So even if the weather is only semi-nice, those boys are getting thrown outside. And if they have the nerve to look at me and say that they're bored, I just look right back at them and say, oh, no, you're not, buddy. You see that tree over there? It costs a lot of money. Now go play with it. You can play tag with it. You can run around it. You can eat it. I don't care what you do with it, but you are not coming back inside for just a little while. Well, recently, one of those trees came crashing down after a huge thunderstorm. That night, gusty winds and torrential rains had pounded our neighborhood. It was the kind of storm that was cozy to go to sleep to, but difficult to wake up to because the aftermath was unbelievable. Limbs were down and power was out. And yes, a tree, one of the biggest trees, was down. When my family and I went outside to kind of take a look around, we were surprised to find that the inside of this majestic, dignified tree that we took so much pride in, that inside of it, there was tons of decay marked by molded and deadened wood. We couldn't believe that a tree that had looked so healthy and strong on the outside was really so deteriorated on the inside. The outside and the inside didn't match up. The outside and the inside matching up and having similar character is the essence of our resolution today. This one is all about making sure that the part of your life people can see matches up with the part they can't see. In our previous sessions, we've looked at everything, you know, from forgiving others to being content. We've considered our authenticity and have considered the beauty of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And now it's high time we carefully considered the characteristic that if left unattended, will make any success, any achieved goals, any life come crumbling down in an instant. It's called integrity. Here's our resolution. I will not tolerate evil influences, even in the most justifiable form in myself or my home, but will embrace and encourage a life of purity. Listen to that one again. I will not tolerate evil influences, even in the most justifiable form in myself or my home, but will embrace and encourage a life of purity. In preparation to write the resolution for women, I gave all 13 resolutions to a group of women that I highly admire. Now, some of these ladies are married and some are single. Some have children, others don't. 
Some are in their 20s and 30s and others have been married at least that long. It was an interesting and diverse mix and we sat down for discussion over a great dinner and we talked about these resolutions one by one. And by and large, this one that we're dealing with today struck a chord with the majority of the women. So listen to it even one more time. I will not tolerate evil influences even in the most justifiable form, in myself or my home, but will embrace and encourage a life of purity. There's just something about that phrase, even in the most justifiable form, that really makes you sit up straight and think twice before drawing any quick personal conclusions about what you're hearing. Sure, there are some things that would obviously displease God that we might not allow in our personal lives. Something, you know, that is more black and white and straightforward about its deception. But what about the things that are lingering somewhere in that gray area and are matters between you and your conscience as the Holy Spirit leads you? The stuff that no one other than you knows that God's Spirit is calling you away from or towards. The television shows, the magazines, the movies, the conversations that are behind closed doors of your home and your heart and can be easily concealed before others. We've got to ask ourselves, does what we are allowing in our lives when no one is watching match up with the lives we profess to be living when everybody's watching? Is there a disparity between the different segments of our lives or could anyone walk in at any time and recognize us as the people we profess to be in our public experiences? Furthermore, consider this. Are there any activities that we've begun to justify Or maybe just our culture has begun to justify them. And so the still quiet voice of conviction that we once sensed when we watched that type of thing or engaged in that type of activity or went a bit too far down that road, it's become common to us, regular. We've grown used to that still small voice and therefore we've lost the concern that we should have about it. One too many drinks, far too many intimate telephone conversations with that guy that is not your spouse. Many a devastating decline began with a tiny justification. And so, slowly but surely, our lives just stop matching up. We start leaving out the details of what we do in private when we're in conversation with others, not just because some things should be kept private and among closest family members, as they should, but because we know deep down that it doesn't line up, that it's a bit out of order and that we shouldn't be involved in it in the first place. At that point, it becomes a question of integrity. Now, I just need you to indulge me for just a few moments because I gotta brag a little bit on my parents here. And it's a holy bragging, so to speak. My parents have been married for well over 40 years and they've been serving in ministry for 38 years. Now, all of those 38 years, they have been pastoring the exact same group of people, the same flock of people in Dallas, Texas. They have been faithful to the ministry that God has called them to. And I've often watched them be in ceremonies or celebrations where people have applauded them and rightfully so, honored them for all of their service to the community and their service to God's people, faithfully serving the Lord and shepherding. Um, his people. But most often, when I think about my parents and some of the most tremendous gifts that they have given to me as their child and my three siblings, what I think about are not the accolades and the awards or the degrees and the diplomas, the stuff that people outwardly applaud them for, although I honor them for that. But what I think about are the things 
that they gave me behind closed doors when no one was watching. Man, when they didn't even know I was watching. And I got to see them as people of integrity. They were not different in our home than they were at church. They weren't one way in public and then another way in private. They didn't allow things in our homes that they were stressing to other people that they should not allow in their homes. What I heard my father preaching on Sundays, that's exactly what we lived on Mondays through Saturdays. They were people of integrity. So they taught me what character means. They taught me that ministry is not supposed to be a job we go out and do or a play that we act out in front of other people. It is supposed to be an outpouring, an overflow of the life we're living all week long. And so they were the same in the dark as they were in the light. They taught me what ministry is all about. And if you don't mind me saying, I've met a lot of preacher's kids throughout the years, and there were far too many of them that didn't have the same testimony that God has graciously given me. They had parents that lived one way outside of the church, then they acted inside of the church. And as a result of that, they have a skewed view of what ministry really looks like, and more importantly, what a personal, intimate, ongoing, passionate relationship with God really looks like. And whether you're a preacher's kid or not, you probably have the same sentiments about your parents. If you grew up in the church, you know whether or not they were people of integrity, whether they were different at home than they were when Christian people were watching, and whether or not your parents choose to be people marked by integrity and character, that made an impact on the way you lived as well, on the decisions that you made as you grew into adulthood. But you know now, the most important question isn't really even what your parents did. The most important question is, what will you do? What kind of person will you be? As I've watched many other people's marriages and families and ministries over all these 38 years that I've seen my parents serve so faithfully, when I've watched many of them cave because of the interior decay that a loss of integrity always creates, I got to tell you, I've become more and more grateful for the character that my parents have chosen to live with and inadvertently to teach us to live with as well. This is the essence of integrity. Being the same on the inside as we are on the outside. Choosing not to be a person who portrays one thing to those watching but lives another way secretly. It's a resolution that is for every person, not just pastors and pastor's wives. It's for each and every one of us who want to live with character. Those who don't will find that sooner or later, their lives will cave in. Anything will come crashing down when it doesn't have the structural integrity to keep it standing. Kind of reminds me about a man who built his house on the sand. A storm came. That house could not stand. Why? It had a shaky foundation. Listen to one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture on the issue of integrity and the benefit of it. Proverbs 10, 9 says this, He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. My mind's eye is immediately drawn to a specific word in that verse. The word is securely. You know, there is nothing like having some security, especially in our day and age with the cultural climate the way it is right now in our country. The economy is shaky. Everything is changing all around us. It feels good to have something that's secure. 
Knowing that there is nothing that you are hiding, nothing that you're hoping will not be discovered, nothing that will come back to bite you later on. When you're living uprightly and with integrity, you get security. And it's a security that others don't have. And there is no amount of money that can buy the beauty of this kind of internal peace. Consider the many times you've watched a news story of some larger-than-life celebrity whose closet was packed full of skeletons, and all those skeletons were slowly and methodically being exposed. I've often wondered if someone in this position, someone who knew that there were indeed skeletons hiding in the closet, could sleep well at night wondering what was going to be exposed next. If there was no security and safety for them to rest in because they hadn't chosen integrity as a mode of living. Are you living in security right now? In this moment? As you are listening to me just have a conversation with you, have you chosen a life that is free from activities that are contrary to the person that you are purporting to be? And maybe it's not something that is overtly wrong, but is there something that you've just begun to justify and excuse away? Maybe the Holy Spirit was poking and prodding you about it, but you've ignored it long enough that now you just don't sense that conviction at all. You've excused it away as being not that bad. But like rat poisoning? You know, rat poisoning is 97% tasty food, just 3% poison. But there is enough toxic substance in what you were doing to be the death of you sooner or later. Today is a good day as any to determine that your outside should start matching up with your inside. Living that kind of life is worth the security and peace that it offers. Now, as I get you to consider the forms of entertainment and other activities that you enjoy, I want to be certain that the enemy not use this resolution to place you in some sort of bondage, where now you feel like you can't enjoy the things you've rightfully been given the freedom to enjoy. God's not trying to steal our fun just our single-minded devotion. That's what he's after. So we'd do well to heed the advice that Susanna Wesley gave to her son, John Wesley, as he prepared to leave for college and wanted direction on which things he should do and which things he shouldn't do. Here's what she said to her son. Whatever weakens your reason and impairs the tenderness of your conscience, whatever obscures your sense of God or takes the relish off of spiritual things, In short, whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in and of itself. That's a great resolution for us to live by, but a resolution like this one needs guidelines, doesn't it? Helpful hints. King David gives us some parameters to help us with maintaining lives of purity in a culture that is anything but. In a time and place where he, the king, had anything and everything at his disposal, he put some specifications in place to help him maintain his integrity. Listen to Psalm chapter 101, verses 2 to 3 in the New Living Translation. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar, and I will have nothing to do with them. Now, you got to know that this was not the norm for the kings of ancient nations. Powerful and highly unaccountable, these monarchs felt free to live as they pleased, any way they wanted to, especially within the confines of their own personal living quarters. Unchecked and unbridled, 
No one had the right to tell them what to do. King David, however, wanted to be different, and he expressed several of the commitments he employed to help him achieve his goal, ones that we can make as well. The first thing he noted in that passage was that he would have no tolerance for evil. He says, I will refuse to look at anything that is vile and vulgar. It's like Job making a covenant with his eyes. Do you remember that? He was unwilling for anything that went against the standards and statutes of God to be paraded before him as entertainment. He promised not to engage in any activity that could slowly and progressively cause him to be desensitized to sin. I'm amazed at how much we, gosh, how much I laugh at what's on television or over the radio or on a movie screen or even on paper. We think things are funny today that previous generations would have been appalled by. And with every laugh, our souls become a bit more deadened and desensitized to God's ways. The second thing David noted is that he would closely monitor the type of people that he allowed to influence him. He said it this way, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. No one who was slanderous or proud or lacking in integrity would be able to live in close relationship with him. He was not about to let their poor character and counsel become a loud, persistent voice in his head or discourage him from the upright path. Will you please think about this in your own life, sister? Who are your friends? Do they encourage you or discourage you from making decisions that will honor God in this area of your life? You and I have to carefully choose our friends. Are these people that aren't just good for going to Starbucks with or talking to on the phone or taking a shopping trip with, but are these women who edify you, who build you up, who encourage you in following the purposes of God in your life? Are these people who sharpen you? The scripture says that iron is supposed to sharpen iron. We're supposed to have other people around us who sharpen us and who we have the opportunity to edify and sharpen as well. I've thought about this in my own life a lot, the relationships that I have. And I, I've got to tell you, one of the things of the Lord, one of the many things the Lord has given me in my life are good friendships. People who have integrity, they have character, and they are willing to encourage me in my walk with the Lord as well. One of the things that I enjoy doing with my friends are going to the movies. And I'm sure you've been caught in a movie before where you thought it looked okay from the previews and the rating said that it was going to be um, something that wasn't too bad for you to look at and to view. And so here you were in the midst of being entertained when you found yourself watching something that just made the conviction stir on the inside of you. I'm so grateful to have a group of friends that if one of us feels that conviction and needs to leave, man, we don't catch a bad time from our friends about it. We're encouraged to go, to follow our convictions, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, not to watch that. Oftentimes, it's just one of us who needs to leave. But sometimes, because one person leaves, it causes the conviction to just spread down the line of friends like wildfire, and we all go together, encouraging each other along the way, and we head off to do something that is more edifying. Do you have friends in your life that will encourage you when you need to take a stand for righteousness? When you need to do something that may be considered quite radical in order for you to live in a way that is honoring to God? The third thing that David said as a guideline for him is that he recognized his need for divine help. Do you remember that little quoted phrase there in the verse? David said, 
I will be careful to live a blameless life. And then he calls out to God and says, when will you come to help me? He recognized that he needed divine help to pull this off. David knew he could never keep the demands of this resolution in his own strength. Only with God's empowerment and encouragement did he stand a chance against the enemy's wiles and his own fleshly tendencies. Never expect that you can recalibrate the frequency settings on your own life without lots and lots of God's help, grace, and shepherding. These are extreme resolutions, I know. I don't think I've ever met a woman, though, with godly and admirable character. I mean, one who in my moments of clearest, most serious thinking, I long to pattern my life after, who was not a woman of extreme action and resolution. And the peace of mind that comes from being this kind of woman, I think it's worth it. So today, what I'd like for you to do is to consider your actions. Not your actions when people are looking, but your actions when people are not. What are you doing in the quietness of your own home, your own heart, your own mind? What types of entertainment are you engaging in? Activities are you engaging in? Some of them, yes, might be allowed by God for you to enjoy. But are there some things that you are sensing conviction regarding and you've just kind of shut the Holy Spirit down in that area of your life? This conversation that you and I have had together might be his reminder to you to walk away from the things that he's calling you away from so that you can be a woman marked by integrity and character. Let's make a resolution and then by the Spirit's power within us, not our own strength, but his strength operating through us, let's live according to it.